You know, it's wonderful about that, that little talk that Brad just gave is it's, it's true not just of these guys, it's true of me, it's true for you guys. You know, when you say, I'm becoming a Christian, what, what are you saying? You're saying, okay, well, I believe in Jesus. Okay, well, great. You believe in Jesus and what? I believe in his life that was perfect and it was lived for me because, like, mine is imperfect. Yours, sorry, is imperfect. I believe that Jesus suffered and died to pay a debt I couldn't pay to God for all my imperfections. I believe that Jesus was buried and raised again from the dead because he wasn't an ordinary man. He was God made man come into the world to do that. I believe that I'm forgiven. And that's where we usually stop. And we forget that forgiveness was the means to God's end of giving us his embrace, of inviting us into his family. I'm saying, you are my son, and you are my daughter, and you are beloved of me, and you are precious. You have succeeded because Jesus has succeeded for you. You have my favor because it's bought and paid for and given as a gift. You are not a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife or an accountant or a carpenter or or whatever. Those are titles that you hold. Who you are is a precious son or daughter of God. That's amazing. That's the gospel. So this part of an ordination service, which again is really our launch of the year, is called the charge to the congregation. And so I thought maybe I'd just start by telling you who you should be excited for this morning. So you should be excited, not just for Scott and Ryan. They will, however, get the cake. You do need to know that, okay? The cake will not have your name on it if you want a piece. Man, you're just, it's going to be like a hockey match at the cake table when we're done, all right? So just start thinking now how you're going to get what you want and, you know, like... Be excited for them. Be more excited for you. You are the beneficiaries of this ordination, and beyond that, the people that God wants to use these guys to equip you to reach are the beneficiaries of this ordination service. Because, guys, that's the way that it works. That's the biblical model for ministry. The biblical model for ministry is not, you know, hey, I I come to church sometimes, or I come to church most times, or I come to church all the time. You guys can't get rid of me. Like, I'm here all the time. I serve at church never. I serve at church sometimes. I serve at church all the time. It's awesome. It's amazing. I give to church not at all. I give some. I give a lot. I give all that I can. And here's why I do all of this, Tom, so that you guys, you ordained people, can reach the people in my family, can reach the people that I work with in my office, can reach the people in the school that I go to, in the neighborhood in which I live, in the city that this church is in, in Broward County and in South Florida. That's not the way it works. And when you say, that's my church, here's what you're saying. In this case, too, you're saying, listen, I am joining myself, heart and mind and soul, to a people that comprise a body of which I am a part. And every part of the body matters. Like, what part of your body would you just like to get rid of? I know maybe you had your tonsils out when you were in third grade, okay? But And if you still have it in a jar of formaldehyde, I don't want to see it, all right? That's weird. It's an inside thought. But really, like, they all matter. And I understand that in the body of which I am a part, there are certain people who have been called and set aside for a certain thing. And here's the certain thing. It's to help me grow up in Christ. It's to help me mature spiritually. It is to equip me. It is to nurture Christ in me so that I can reach the people in my family, the people I work with, the people I go to school with, the people in my neighborhood, the people in this city, the people in Broward and in the whole of South Florida. As I give myself to the reality that that's my mission and I'm on it together with them. 
That's the biblical model. And it's not hidden. Paul says it in Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11. He says, and he, that's Christ, did what? He gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds. That word is actually pastors. But it's a good indication of what we do, as well as the teachers to do what? To be paid to reach your family for you. To be No, no, no. No, he tells us to equip the saints. If you're a Christian, that's you. You're like, man, I do not feel like a saint. Jesus, by his blood, has made you clean and perfect as a saint. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ that in this case is this church, until we all attain to the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to what? Because here's what reaching your family, your coworkers, your neighbors, your students you go to school with, all of that is going to require of me and it's going to require of you until we, we reach mature manhood or womanhood, spiritually speaking. And you say, well, how will I know when I've arrived? Like, what's the measure? Paul gives it to us. He says, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we, you hear that word? Paul's saying, look, if that's the standard, I'm in this with you. (laughs) And if he's in this with us, I'm in this with us. We're all in this together. But here's the goal, so that we may no longer be children. And so what is he doing? He's making a spiritual analogy He's saying, just like you were physically born, you need to be spiritually born. And just like physical birth precedes or precedes growth, the same is true spiritually. He's pulling it out of the teachings of Jesus. John chapter 3, a man named Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. And what does he say? He says, Rabbi, we, we know that you were a teacher. It's come from God. And here's how we know that. Because no one could do the signs, these amazing miracles that you do, unless God were with him. And what does Jesus say? Because he senses that this guy's close to getting it. Jesus answered him and he said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is, here it is, born again. Unless you experience a second birth, Jesus says, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot know God. He cannot enjoy the forgiveness of God. He will not know the embrace of God, the heaven of God, the mercies of God, the grace of God, the family of God. He's like, look, you got to be born again. And Nicodemus doesn't really understand. Like, it's not computing for him. He's thinking physically. And so he says, but Jesus, like, I'm, you know, I'm a grown man. I'm, I don't know, I'm 35 or whatever. You know, I'm Nicodemus. Like, I'm all grown up. How's that going to happen? Like, am I going to have to get back inside my mother's womb? Because that's so creepy. It's fracturing me psychologically to even think that way. And she's not going to go for it. So what? What do we do here? And Jesus is like, no, come on. Isn't it obvious? It's an analogy, but it's an important analogy. Birth precedes growth. And I'm going to make a statement that I realize my status as a man might compromise the integrity of a little bit. But here's what I want you to do. If you don't buy this, I want you to find a lady who has had a baby and then grown that child into adulthood. Because a 100 out of a 100 are going to agree with this statement. As painful as the birth is, growing them up is far more difficult. Am I right? You're like, no, no, no. I just had a baby. I was 32 hours in labor. Tom, you don't understand that. I don't. I praise Jesus every day for that, incidentally. (laughs) I don't want to know, you know, like I've seen it and I'm thankful that I'm a guy. But 
That's great. I mean, well, it's not, but you know what I mean. Go find somebody who is in labor for 32 hours, whose child is now 32 years old, and ask her, what's more trying? What's more difficult? What is even more painful? Having them is easier than raising them, and that is true spiritually, and that is also true physically, or I mean true physically, and it's also true spiritually, and one of the reasons for that is because babies are not discerning, and you have to teach them how to be discerning, and it's hard, and it's difficult, and it seems like it takes forever to do, doesn't it? Guys, babies will eat anything. I mean, just as an example, they'll eat your food, they'll eat the dog's food, they'll eat the dog's poop. They will. It's happened. Like you're on the phone and you're talking to the insurance company and you've been waiting for this person to come online for like three hours and so you're all into your conversation and you're taking notes or whatever and you're kind of keeping an eye on your daughter who's now old enough to crawl around and you see that she's like 20 feet away and you look up and she has something in her hand that she's also eating. And you're trying to figure out, what the heck is that? And then the dog goes by. What happens then? You hang up, you run to the kid, you're freaking out, you think you're going to die, you're pulling the stuff out of her hand, you're washing her mouth in the sink, you're calling the doctor in tears, my daughter ate poop, and what am I going to do? Is she going to live? Is she going to make it? Yes. What happens when that computes in your head and you realize what it is, is you get your first gray hair. Like a follicle or something dies. Like, I don't know what causes it to go gray, but whatever it is happens, and you get one gray hair... And here's what I'm going to tell you. There are thousands more coming. (laughs) Thousands, thousands more coming. Children are not discerning. It is true physically. It is true spiritually. It just, it is. And Paul says as much in verse 14. He says that until we grow up, which is the charge, by the way, we're just children. Okay, well, what do spiritual children look like? Well, we're tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. In other words, when we are spiritual children and know little or nothing of God's Word, we'll eat anything that, you know, comes along. Well, that looks good. (laughs) Have a little bite of that. Okay, I'm going to draw on some relational capital with you guys today, all right? Nobody in mind all the way through the message. But I want to challenge you. There are people who have been Christians for a year who have just just gone all in on the Bible. Like, they, they can't get enough. They're learning like crazy and they're growing like crazy. There are Christians who have been Christians for 31 years picking stuff up off the floor. The charge is to grow up. And it's to be excited to do it. There's life that comes with discernment. And guys like Scott and Ryan are here. They're here to help you do it. We're standing at the beginning of a year and of a decade, and I want to ask you straight up, how well do you know God's Word, and what are you doing to increase your knowledge of it? Secondly, it's not easy raising kids from physically or spiritually because babies are self-centered. I mean, I want you to think about this. Two of the first words that every child learns are no and mine. 
Where does that come from? Because we all know, at least if you're a parent, you know this, that as soon as the child is born, the race is on, and mom is going, trying to get the baby to say mama, and dad is trying to get the baby to say dada. And that's those are the words you want, right? Like it's this grand competition, you know? Mom's going, mama, you're taking the little lips, you know, like... <laughs> Dad's going, dad, dad, you know, don't tell mom I'm doing this. She can see you on the monitor, all right? So, <laughs> no in mine? Who taught them that? They didn't have to be taught that. Look, we're people. We are natural born consumers. True physically? Uh-oh. <laughs> True spiritually. I think one of the ways to get a glimpse at your own spiritual maturity level, and now I'm really drawn on the relational capital here, okay? Walking out onto the edge of the branch. One of the ways is just to look at how you view this day. How do I approach this day? What do I think about this day? And let's start with this. Is it my day or is it God's day? Because if it's my day and I can just do with it whatever I want, well, that's one thing. But if it's God's day, that's a different thing. And a mature understanding of the Bible says, you know what? This is actually God's day. He claims this one out of seven every day or every week in your week. He's creating a spiritual rhythm for you. And he tells you because it's his day what you're not to do, what you are to do. Don't work. Do worship. You say, Tom, this is becoming self-serving of you. You want to know what self-serving is? It's when I don't say stuff like that. That's self-serving. And what do you do with worship on this day? How do you view that? How do you approach it? Like when you drive onto the campus, do you come to get or to give? Do you come to serve or be served? Do you come as a producer or do you come as a consumer? I have no idea what the answer is for any of you guys. Like I have zero people in mind right now. I'm just asking you. Examine yourself and think about that. Do you volunteer for like anything, really? I mean, and it's not Volunteer Sunday. I'm just saying, if you're trying to scale this out, if you're trying to work it through, if you're looking for a filter, where do you park? You know, we have four parking lots for this church, two of which we own, which kind of makes me nervous. One of which alone is obvious, and it's right over here. Okay, if you pull up here and you've never been here before... And even that isn't really clear because you're going, is that a school? Is that the church? Can I park here? Can I not? We try to solve it with flags and people and so forth. But if I'm coming to give, I'm parking away to make space for other people who've never been here and it's super confusing so they can have my spot over here. And look, you know, if you've got to park close, park close. If you've got little kids, you know, park on the south side. Like, I get it. But get or give. What do you volunteer for? Do you volunteer to be greeters? Do you volunteer to be car parkers to help people manage this? Do you volunteer in the children's ministry? Okay, lots of re- relational capital. I'm cashing it all in right here, okay? I think a lot of us, our kids grow up, and we've got little kids, and we're all involved in children's ministry because we're kind of like, how can we not be, you know? And then we're involved, and then our kids get out, and we're like, oh, praise Jesus, we're done with kids, you know? And our kids move out of our house, and that is a praise Jesus moment. I'm just going to say it, okay? Particularly if they have a job, it's like, right on, I didn't even have to pay them to leave. They can pay for themselves. It's living the dream. The kids are somebody else's problem now. Are they? 
Okay, here's the deal. Your kids are gone. They're raised. They're out of the house. You have more time than you've ever had. You have more space than you've ever had. You don't have to put your kids in child care for four hours on a Sunday morning so you can volunteer at one service and come to the next. You can pray. You can greet. You can park. You can work with these kids. You have all kinds of experience. And you get to give them back to their parents and you have them for like an hour and 15 minutes and that's it. And get to go home and go, praise Jesus for silence. Lord, thank you. When you come, do you come to give or get? And when you drive away, what do you drive away thinking? Do you drive away evaluating it all in light of your experience? You know, the sermon was, "Eh, today, you know, seemed a little self-serving. The music was too soft. We never get that one. The music was too loud. Okay, yeah. It was too cold. Get that a lot unless you're a polar bear or you're up here. Or do you leave going, hey, Lord, I was here today for you. And, um, and I came to bring my worship for you. And the only question I've got, and listen, Lord, I know that it's not perfect, okay? I oftentimes think our worship is sort of like, you know, one of our kids making a mud pie and, and bringing it to us. You know, like to anyone else, you'd go, that's a mud pie, right? But when it's your precious son or daughter, what do you do? You take the mud pie, and it's like gold to you. You put it on a shelf in your office. You specially light it. People come in, and they think, can I say anything about this? Like, this is really weird. You've got a mud pie on your shelf. I know my son made that for me. My daughter brought that to me. That's the best they could do. Jesus cleans up our worship. The question is, do we come to bring it? Do we come to bring it? That's you are the worship team. You are the choir. All we're doing is using some pastoral gifts to inspire and and to equip and to kind of lead and whatever. But the worship service happens out here. And the question that we ought to be asking as we leave is, God, what did you think of my worship today? Lastly, babies are easily distracted. It is hard to get a baby to focus on anything that isn't a cookie, right? I mean, it's true. Just try taking a family picture of of some people, you know, and they've got some other, like, older kids, and they just had a baby. And what do you do as the photographer? Like, you line them all up, and you tell everyone capable of focusing to focus on you and to smile for the next 30 minutes while you have somebody behind you going, hey, you know. (laughs) Hey, woo, baby, 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 you know, right? Take the picture, take the picture, take the picture, you know, because the kid happens to go, and if they have gas, maybe they smile. That's it. I can't blame a toddler for being distracted. And I won't blame you for being distracted, but I do want to say there's an ownership difference. It's one of capacity. This child doesn't have the capacity to figure out what to focus on. You know what I do and you do? And we are so unbelievably distracted. We don't know it. We fall into it. We're not trying to get that way. But at some point, we've got to take over the management of our own lives and say, enough of this stuff. I have to let the weighty things be the weightiest things in my life. Why not now? Why not begin now? 
You have a soul that goes on forever, and so does everyone around you. You have a Christ who suffered and died to claim you as his precious son or daughter. That's your identity. It frees you from having to try to please everybody and keep up with everybody and and make sure you perform big time to prove that you have some kind of value or significance or whatever. It frees you to serve him, to draw near to him, to grow in relationship with him. Again, we're at the beginning of a year and at a decade. How many, don't raise your hand, but how many would say they're spiritually focused right now? Because the reason we should get excited on a day like this is because these guys are here to help. They're here to say, yeah, let me, let me come alongside of you. Let me help you get focused. Paul comes to us and says, guys, even I, the apostle Paul, needs to grow up. So it's a message for everybody. But we do need to grow up. You say, grow up into what? Well, verse 15, he says that we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head of this body that we call Rio Vista Community Church, and of which every single one of you is an indispensable part. We need all the parts. That is to say, we are to grow up into Christ. And so, as Matt said, we are going to move into a season of time in this year, particularly at the beginning, a study of the book of Ephesians that we're calling One Body one mission. And guys, the journey starts tomorrow. It starts tomorrow with personal worship. Here's my charge to you. Get on the bus, man. Get on the bus. Take the journey. Join us. Be a part of it and see what the Lord will do. I'm going to close with two questions. So the first one is just simply, have you been born again? Because birth precedes growth. And God so loved you that he sent Jesus into the world so that he might have you. And maybe this is your day. And the second one is simply, are you willing to commit today to growing up, to taking the next step of growth spiritually? It might be your first step. It might be your millionth step. But the measure is the fullness of the stature of Christ, right? So we're There are always steps. Will you commit today to growing up spiritually in 2020? I want to pray with you guys. I'm going to give you some space in the prayer to kind of interact with the Lord on your own. Um, But why don't you pray with me? Father, we come to you and we are so thankful that we have a Savior, that Jesus is, that he has come. Not just to forgive us, though we desperately need it, but to heal us to make us whole, and to make us yours. If you have never received Christ as your Savior and you're like, you know what, I think that like there's something kind of compelling me, that's not a something, that's a someone. That is the Spirit of the living God. Then just submit to Him. Say, Lord, forgive me. I believe that you are who you claim to be, the Savior of sinners, and I qualify. And make me your son or daughter through faith. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. And put me on your mission. Even me. But beyond that, I want to give you time to confess some things and and, and to commit to some things. I want you to talk to the Lord about his word. About your relationship to his word. Jesus is called the living word. 
remarkable. God creates through his word. He speaks and it is. The word of God is living. It's active. It it pierces. The word of God is wisdom for living. The word wisdom means skill. God's like, if you want to know how to live here, talk to the Lord about his word and commit to a journey of depositing it into your heart day by day.